Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to Blonde Hair, Black Heart. So, The Real Housewives of Dubai premiered a couple weeks ago, and I don't know if I've got gold dust in my eyes or what, but all I see is shimmer, and I am here for it. <laughs> no, honestly, I'm really loving it so far. Everything about the first two episodes has just worked for me, so let's unpack them both, shall we? First of all, the editing is top tier. It's elevated, the full-body confessional moments are just mwah, chef's kiss. So good, so elegant, just really taking things to that next level that we would expect from Dubai, you know? We're introduced to Chanel Ion, who goes by Ion, and she is a badass bitch, period, dot. She's the first black supermodel in Dubai, and she's definitely not gonna let us forget it. It's giving Kenya and her Miss America title. <laughs> we are reintroduced to Caroline Stanbury, who is now divorced and dating 27-year-old Sergio. And okay, did you guys hear them say that Sergio has a 12-year-old son? He was literally 15 when he became a dad. Like, no judgment, but damn. Caroline is planning a hen party, and I have to say, here we are almost three weeks later after the premiere, and I still have no clue what a hen party is, but let's go with it. We meet Lisa, who is beautiful and fabulous and has ice delivered to her house to keep her pool cool in the heat. I'm from Arizona, and I've never heard of this, so either this is a Dubai thing or a rich bitch thing, but either way, I'm left out. Next, we meet Caroline Brooks, who's American and is divorced from her husband. She got nothing in the divorce, so now she does real estate, and she's the owner of two homes. Baller status, color me impressed. Then we have Nina and Sarah, who look alike, and I'm still trying to figure out who's who. Um, I think I like Sarah a lot, though. Could be Nina. I don't know. The drama begins when Lisa and Ion go to lunch, and it's revealed that Ion was not invited to the hen party. Ion says Brooks told her that she wasn't invited because Caroline said she's not important enough. Then, Lisa gets a call from Brooks, who gossips about Ion, while Ion is sitting there listening. <laughs> like I said, this is top-tier housewives, y'all. So Chanel gets a little fired up, and says she knows how to play teat for toot. <laughs> I want to see this. The hen party happens, and Sergio is the only guy there, and I don't know, it feels more like a cock party for Sergio than a hen party for Caroline, but, eh, no judgment. Just, damn. <laughs> Later, the ladies all attend a dinner to essentially recap the hen party and make Ion feel left out. This doesn't sit well with Ion, who tells the ladies to basically shut the fuck up about anything that doesn't concern her. In the second episode, we see Sarah teaching her son how to cook and bake and about breaking down the patriarchy and gender roles, so give it up for our queen. This episode also highlighted Ion's personal traumas from her childhood a lot, which is interesting because it's trying to give backstory to why she is the way she is, but the way she is on the show is loud, flamboyant, expressive, and confident. You know, I, I mean, I, clearly she's an onion. We're just peeling back the layers. Sarah wants to help Ion and is trying to get Caroline to see Ion's traumas in hopes that they can come to a better place, but Caroline says, nope, she may have had traumas, but she's not going to add to mine. And while I personally appreciate Sarah's outlook on wanting to help, what Caroline said are words to live by. Ion goes to meet Nina for lunch and arrives in a blunt blonde wig, and while she's waiting for Nina, she's humming to herself, I'm so sexy, I look so good. <laughs> I don't know why, but she reminds me a lot of Noella from Orange County. I could totally see Noella doing this at a lunch by herself with a bunch of cameras on her. In fact, that's probably Noella's dream. <laughs> And in terms of fashion, Noella always brought it on Orange County, and we know Ion is the Dubai queen of fashion. She's Rihanna, honey, and everyone else is just mashed potatoes with no butter. Plain. Ion says she was triggered by being left out of the hen party, and she's upset that Nina didn't defend her. She explains how her dad used to abuse her, and it's sad, but I'm not sure what it has to do with Caroline Stanbury. 
I mean, I understand people have personal traumas and we all have shit that we're working through, but we're also all responsible for our own behavior, regardless of our past traumas. I say this as I am like throwing a fit about something that happened in my childhood. <laughs> Nina said Caroline grew on her, to which Ayan says, you're a flip-flopper, a social climber, and very boring. Ayan sure throws out a lot of jabs for someone who claims that she hates being left out. You know, she's really setting herself up to be a villain. A great villain, I'm sure, but a villain nonetheless. Some more stuff happens, like we get to experience Thanksgiving in Dubai, plus a goat appears and then disappears. So all in all, the first two episodes delivered and have left me parched. I mean, that could just be the dry Dubai desert, but I think it's also the hot drama. Either way, I'm thirsty for more. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from Cinnamon are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plum, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Cinnamon, you'll enjoy all the benefits Cinnamon has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit cinnamon.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at cinnamon.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Cinnamon definitely helps. Okay guys, I have to be completely honest, this season of The Real Housewives of Atlanta just isn't doing it for me. I don't know what it is, um, I'm not gonna give Cynthia and Portia all the credit and say that, you know, the show is lacking because they left, um, I, I'm a firm believer that no one or two housewives really hold that much power, I think it, you know, it's an ensemble show, um, but I don't know, something about this season, so far, it's just not really grabbing me. Um, but, you know, this is my job. I, I, <laughs> I'm i here to recap the shows, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, this is probably going to be pretty quick. I don't have too much to say, but let's go through this most recent episode of RHOA. So Sheree is upset about being stood up by Tyrone. Uh, that scene from last week was hard <laughs> to watch. Um, obviously, this is really sad, but also, like, hasn't Tyrone been in jail your entire relationship? Like, the guy's been standing you up for years, so I feel like she should be used to eating dinner alone. <laughs> Sonia has a photo shoot for her new hoodie line, and Kenya and Candy come to help model. She uninvited Drew because she doesn't want to have their discussion there, um, and the ladies are wondering if maybe she picked Candy and Kenya because of their follower count. 
Also, I just love how you can tell when a new housewife decides to create a product, like the day they sign their housewife contract, because you you know that they just want something to promote on the show and to look like they have like a legitimate business. Um, like, I'm pretty sure she just went and grabbed some plain Fruit of the Loom sweatshirts and ironed on those logos. But, you know, hey, get that paper, girl. <laughs> do what you got to do. Marlo has Drew come over to help bake a cake for Sheree, and then Marlo sends a car to pick up Sheree to bring her over for some chicken and said cake. I thought this was pretty nice of Drew, considering, you know, what she and Sheree had been through. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Drew doesn't really have anyone else in her corner right now, so I think she's, she's trying to make amends, and what better way than with a cake? Sonia has a little cooking party, but Drew decides to decline the invitation after being uninvited from the sweatshirt photo shoot. I mean, clearly she was upset, you know? What a missed opportunity. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that those sweatshirt ads are going to be in vogue, babe. Uh, Drew does show up later and gets us all excited for what's to come next week, uh, but not before Sheree and Marlo, you know, have their little kiki outside where they basically just talk shit about everyone. Um, they call Candy a slut, and they call Kenya a video ho who slept with every rapper in the game. Um... Yeah, those are some those are some fighting words, ladies. So I don't know. Like I said, this season has been slow, in my opinion, so far. But who knows? Maybe this is the buildup for what's to come. Maybe we needed Sheree and Marlo, you know, going down and dirty like this. So I don't know. I don't know. Guys, I, I, you know me. I'm not typically at a loss for words, but I just don't really have much to say. Um... I'm not on anyone's side, uh, except maybe Tyrone's. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I love, I love you, Shrey. Okay, but that's really all I have to say on Atlanta, so let's go ahead and get into The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So the episode begins with Garcelle showing us the site of her future beach house. I'm super excited for G. I can't wait to see the finished product, and I'm really excited for them to film some crazy beach dinners there. <laughs> I, you know, I just love how she's decorated her LA house. I think it's really cute and chic and modern and feminine. Um, and for a single mom who's making all of her money herself, it's, it's really awesome to see her success. So way to go, G. Dorit and Erica get together to discuss Dorit's therapy, but I would love to hear about Erica going to therapy, FYI. I think it's necessary. I, I actually would love to see Erica in therapy on the show, but ugh, that poor doctor. <laughs> they also talk about Lisa's mom Lois's health decline, and they're really sympathetic and they acknowledge how this is going to absolutely crush Lisa. It's sweet, and they're clearly really good friends to each other. You know, the, the faux Fox 5 has each other's backs. But I can't help but think of when LVP was going through her stuff, you know, with her brother and her mom dying. There was just not this level of sympathy from anyone, not even Kyle, who was her best friend at the time. You know, I think a lot of these ladies are really solid and loyal friends if you're one of them, but they're awful people if you're not. So Diana has offered her private jet for the ladies' trip to Mexico, but before they leave, Kyle and Crystal need to sit down and recap what's been going on. Oh, you know, the situation that has absolutely nothing to do with Kyle, but she somehow inserted herself right smack dab in the middle of? <laughs> Crystal immediately says she's not used to conflict, and this is a difficult topic for her. She doesn't like it. And I believe that. You know, there are some other housewives who seem to, like, salivate over the drama, and I don't see that from Crystal. 
Kyle tells Crystal, you all of a sudden brought something up from a year ago and you threw Sutton under the bus while trying to defend yourself against Garcelle. And I, I can agree with that. She did say that Sutton's comments caused her reaction, and some could say that that was throwing her under the bus, you know, in reference to the whole are you that girl thing. But I don't really see how else she could have defended herself. If Garcelle's accusing her of setting Sutton up in that convo, how can Crystal possibly defend herself without saying that Sutton deserved the comment, you know? Crystal says she's not going to repeat what was said, and Kyle says then you never should have said it. Crystal simply nods and says, lesson learned. This is a common thing for Crystal. Um, you know, she's not shy to speak her mind, but she's also not trying to beat people over the head with her opinion. When people push back or disagree, she simply says, okay, I hear you. Which is why it's so bizarre to me when Kyle says that Crystal's gaslighting everyone. You know, I firmly disagree. She's not gaslighting anyone. Um, I don't think Kyle knows what gaslighting means. You know, gaslighting would be if she were going around telling everyone that Sutton said something racist, but I can't tell you what she said, but you guys better all call her a racist. Like, that would be gaslighting, but that's not what Crystal's doing. She's saying, I was uncomfortable with something Sutton said, and that's why we had the conversation that we did. She's not asking anyone else to see it from her point of view. She's just trying to explain her point of view. Diana goes over to Kyle's house, and she says that she got lost on her way to Beverly Hills, which might be because Kyle lives in Encino. Kyle mentions Paris Hilton's wedding for the fourth time in five episodes, which, like, at this point, it's old news, and all we really care about is Britney Spears' wedding, so, um, until Kathy Hilton's talking about that on the show, I'm disinterested. Diana tells Kyle her story about her recent miscarriage, which is really sad, and it also took me a minute to realize that it was, like, very recent, like, just before filming, um, so I really, really felt for Diana here. Garcelle and Sutton go grab a drink, and Sutton also grabs some ice cubes with her chopsticks. This was so weird. Like, I, I like Sutton, I really do, and I like her quirkiness, but it's also really funny coming from, like, such a debutante. Like, your mother taught you better than this, Sutton. Don't play with your food or your drinks. Sutton tells Garcelle the story that she thinks Crystal is referring to as dark, which is about her white child, a black child, a Chinese child, and a red-headed Irish Catholic child kicking in a hot tub. There's gotta be more. There has to be. Like, this, this can't be it. And Garcelle thinks so too. So she says, if this is really the story that Crystal is referencing, watch your back, because that's not your friend. And Sutton's like, yeah, it's scary. But again, there has to be more. I just... I really think that there's more to this story than a multicultural hot tub party. Lois passes away at age 93, which is a really long life, and she seemed to have lived a good one. Lisa says that she loved being famous, and she always wanted to know how many likes her videos got, which is adorable and very relatable. I wish that they had set her up with her own social medias, though, like, and really made her into an influencer. Because she was only really featured on Lisa's Instagram, but TBH, if she had her own account, I feel like she could have blown up. She would have died with several endorsement deals and, like, a custom filter on IG. I bet Kris Jenner would have known what to do with Lois's star power. Anyways, the ladies head to Mexico, and at dinner, Rena asks if she's missed anything while she was away. <laughs> of course, the crystal of it all comes up. Sutton says she doesn't want to be misconstrued in any way by the dark comments, and she doesn't want to be labeled. I understand the concern, I do, but why is no one concerned with the misconception or the label that Garcelle put out onto Crystal that she would be setting women up to look like racists? Like, not one person has brought up that accusation. And like, 
I also understand why Crystal doesn't want to say anymore, because she's being accused of so many things at this point. She's damned if she doesn't say anything, because according to the group, she's hiding stuff and manipulating things by dangling this word dark out there for people to go and make assumptions about Sutton. But she probably already feels like if she says anything more about what went down and, you know, the specifics about Sutton's comments and how they affected her, she'll once again be accused of setting Sutton up, which Garcelle apparently thinks Crystal has been doing since day one. They're all so focused on how Sutton's character might be hurt. But what about Crystal's character? Like, how is the thought that Crystal's insinuating Sutton's a racist worse than Garcelle insinuating that Crystal goes around trying to set people up to look like racists? I really don't get it. Garcelle's accusation was, in my opinion, equally as egregious, if not more so. Crystal says words are like a Rorschach. And what I think she's trying to say is, we see what we want to see in a Rorschach test. And when you say a word, you hear what you want to hear. If she says the word dark and you take it and make it into something else, that's on you. You know, a word is only a word. The word dark, by definition, isn't inherently negative or positive. Um, and, and Crystal's entitled to her opinion on the tone of a conversation that she had. I don't know, is it on her for the women's assumptions based on Crystal's feelings of a conversation? Like, is she responsible for what they take from her explanation? Is Crystal allowed to feel that something was dark even if the other people don't agree? And does all that make her a villain? Or is she just someone who thinks differently than them? Crystal says multiple times that it was something from the past and she doesn't want to bring it up, and when Sutton says she's nervous about their friendship, Crystal simply says, I understand. She literally sits there and takes it and accepts these women, throwing accusations at her in retaliation to her supposedly making accusations about them, and she doesn't say a word. So I get if people think she's dramatic or making stuff up because she's not being completely forthright. Um, I understand that. I do. But I don't really get the accusation that she's a bully. There are a lot of people saying that she's a mean girl bully, and there are some real bullies on this show. We've seen them in action, so that label doesn't really stick for me. The other girls get Sutton all riled up, and she kind of ends up snapping at Crystal, and ends up saying that Crystal has a pattern with this, and she makes up lies about her friends. Sutton says, I just know things, and, you know, kind of dangles that carrot in front of Crystal and the rest of the ladies, which is exactly what they're all upset at Crystal for doing. I just rolled my eyes so hard, you guys. I know you can't see it, but I just felt like you should know. <laughs> so in her confessional, Sutton says that she's heard that Crystal tries to align herself with the most powerful person in a group, but that doesn't have anything to do with making up lies about people. So I don't know, Sutton, are you making up lies? And at this point, I would feel safe to say that every girl in this group is a social climber. Like, why else are you on this show? <laughs> Rinna said that she heard this rumor about Crystal too, and then Sutton says that she's only saying this out of love, which to me is like an actual manipulation. Telling someone something really hurtful, like I've heard really shitty things about you from all of your friends, but then trying to put a little cherry on top of it and say it's out of love, that's just shitty. So I felt really bad for Crystal here. Kyle pipes in and tries to explain why she had to defend Sutton, which, like, no, you didn't. You really didn't. You know, you could have just sat this one out. But Crystal once again just says, okay, it's fine. Okay. Like, she continues to tell these ladies, you're all entitled to think what you think. You're entitled to disagree with me. But you aren't allowed to tell me that my feelings are wrong. But in the end, Crystal apologizes to Sutton, and she seems very defeated. 
And I really do think that none of this was her intention. You know, it sucks to see, and if anything, I almost feel like she got played. Maybe not intentionally, maybe she just got screwed by the game and not by one of the players, but when G brought this all up and said, you set Sutton up, it was almost like no matter what Crystal said to defend herself was going to be played as her setting Sutton up again. I just feel like she's in a place where she, she really can't win. So, I don't know. That's my take, and Lord knows not all of my takes are great, but they're takes. Shoot it up, 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 shoot